yourself if you're new here or if some of you I know some like you haven't been around in a long time what's this place about what are you all doing um we're trying really hard to be good disciples of Jesus and that's it a devotion for Jesus where we take seriously his word and we follow him with a devotion not perfectly but we try to do this Passionately, And I'm really excited about in this journey what we're about to do for the next year. Over the next year, here's our plan. We're going to go through Luke and Acts. And that's it. Chapter by chapter, 52 chapters. 22 in Luke, 28 in Acts. 52 chapters week by week. And here's what we're asking you to do. Number one is show up. Walk with us. Number two, this is called a Bible. Carry one of these. Now listen, I already know some of you are like, well, I like doing my phone. I'm going to challenge you. Let's do like old-fashioned where trees are involved. A Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles at the back of the room. You can take one. Or you can go out to Connection Point. But I'm going to ask you, bring your Bibles each week and maybe a pen. And start to write in that Bible what God is going to reveal to you. Um, we're excited about this because I think in the next 52 weeks, you're going to see Luke as he writes to a single person about a single person. Jesus, his power and his parables, the passion of Christ. This is what we'll do. And we're naming this next season, this next kind of run, we're calling it Calling All Disciples. So with that, I want you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 3. And you're like, no, wait a minute. You're not starting in 1. No, we're starting in 3. We'll come back to 1 and 2 at the end of this year. Because 1 and 2 is the Christmas story. Thank God we're done. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to come back to that at the beginning of the year. So if you have your Bibles, I want to start by reading in verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, um, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea, Trachonitis, Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, stop. Now let me highlight something that's happening right here in the text. Luke is writing this, and he's helping us understand, giving us a picture of the times. What you need to know about the times are this. Is Tiberius was the emperor who was incredibly cruel, and he came after Augustus Caesar, who was no longer emperor. Now, Augustus Caesar was emperor when Jesus was born. So now Tiberius, awful guy. Then he mentions Pontius Pilate, incredibly powerful but also renowned for brutal massacres of the Jewish people in Judea. He was the fifth ruler over conquered Judea. And then Luke lays out rulers of the family of Herod the Great, and that's Herod, Philip, Licinius. They were also known for their corruption and cruelty. Then he goes on to list two religious leaders. And he's making a point to the audience both the audience that would have read it then and to us today. These two were way more interested in political power 
than they were following God. Now look what happens. He lists the powers of the time, the most important, cruel, messed up people of the time. And then he says this in Luke chapter 3, verse 2, I put in but the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. In other words, here are all these powerful people who hold all the keys. They've kept their foot on the neck. Judea. And the most unknown, backward person the world could know, God chooses him. A little nobody that we know since was a kid had been living out in the wilderness. We know he lives in a place that isn't a palace. It's pebbles and sand and rocks. He's eating locust and honey. This is John the Baptist, also known as JTB. I, I, that's what I'm going to call him, okay? This dude is crazy. He lists the powers of the time and says, all of these people doing all this stuff, they're the ones with all the power, all the money, all the stuff. And this guy who's living in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey, that's who God speaks to. So good news. If you've ever felt forgotten, marginalized, down low, nobody cares, nobody's looking, look out. That's who God talks to. So Bible tells us that he taps JTV on the shoulder. And in verse three, it says he went into the country around Jordan preaching. But this is key, the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Now, this is really important, folks. Luke is laying out, okay, powerful people doing awful things, really messed up times, really divided, really jacked up. I don't think we know about any of that ourselves, do we? Messed up times. Do you ever feel like the last few years you're like riding five-foot waves on a tiny piece of wood where you just can't hardly get your balance right from the pandemic to inflation to jobs to everything? It's just all the time. This is the times. He taps John the Baptist, and John the Baptist begins to preach something brand new. Now, to us, we see this on the surface, and we hear baptism. If you've been around the church, you go, oh, yeah, I know that. But no, this is different. This is different. This is a radical concept. The baptism we're familiar with, found in Romans chapter 6, this is baptism through the immersion of water. It identifies us as followers of Jesus in relationship with him. But the baptism, he's talking about something different, and it's fundamentally different from anything a Jew would know because the Jew would know baptism too. They would know a form of baptism called proselyte baptism, and it's a really simple concept. They would be familiar with Gentiles who desired to follow the Jewish faith. They believed Gentiles were so filthy that before they could participate in this sacred ritual, they'd have to confess their sins, right? They'd have to be circumcised, and then they'd have to take a bath. They're filthy. So a Jew would look at baptism as something they would never do. That's not for me. That's for dirty Gentiles. But we don't, bro, JTB, we don't, we don't do that, right? We don't do that thing. We don't need that thing. And here's John the Baptist coming out of the wilderness, looking crazy, saying crazy things. 
You, you need to prepare yourself for what's about to come. You need to repent and you need to be baptized. Your baptism is a form of repentance. Now, for all of us that have are good churchgoers or have baggage, anytime, sometimes you start, preachers start speaking about repentance, you're like, oh boy, here we go. He's going to talk about sin and I'm going to get angry and uncomfortable. But let me say something about repentance and what JTB's up to and the fact that he's not just speaking to a Jewish audience, he's speaking to us. What John the Baptist is talking about through baptism of repentance is not feeling something. I think often when we think about repentance, it's this idea that um, you feel bad about the bad things that you do. It's fine, but that's not what John the Baptist was up to. He was actually preaching baptism as a verb, not to feel bad. But his listeners, he was trying to convince them, you have to change your mind. Now think about it. He's talking to a people who have been absolutely oppressed, who've been looking for a Messiah, who feel absolutely destitute, and he's in in essence saying, listen, what you've been doing to get you here isn't going to get you there. You need to change your mind. You have to go a different way. This is repentance. It is a change of direction, not just sorrow of the heart. And so he's looking at a Jew, and a Jew would be going, wait, 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 wait. This isn't my problem. You, <laughs> it's the Romans' problem. They're the ones doing all the bad stuff, not us. Why are you calling me to repent? And it would be messing with Jews, and that's why in verse 3, Luke throws something out there, because this would be so radical that you know, sometimes when you're, when you're given a radical idea, you're like, I'm not going to believe that. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. That, that. that doesn't work for me. So what he does is, look what he writes in verse 4. He says, now listen, there's a, listen, there's a voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's JTB. He's saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. The rough ways made smooth. The flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now this is key. As it is written in the book of words of Isaiah the prophet, Luke intentionally connects this radical new way for a Jewish audience to Isaiah chapter 40, something they would be familiar with. He's saying, I know it's a new way, but listen, it's not out of nowhere. It's a new way but it's not out of nowhere. This is what God has promised. And for us to find this new kingdom, it's not on anybody else, it's on me. Repentance, a new way, a new way of thinking, it's on me. And, and I, think, I think this is so important because we see it not just in the Jews who are looking going, no, wait a minute, what... Why are you talking to me about repentance? Who should be repenting is the Romans. They're the ones doing all the bad stuff. You listed a bunch of people at the beginning of this that are doing a bunch of bad stuff. Isn't it them who's supposed to be repenting? We do that too, right? Let's just 
let's be honest for a minute. Let's just be honest. It's just so much easier to look at someone else and what they're doing and make you feel okay about what you're doing. <laughs> I do it. I'm like, well, I'm not, not that bad. I'm not doing that thing. I mean, look at them. They should get some repentance going on, right? It makes us feel better. I was reading a book this week, and I read this. Dane Ortland said it this way. He said, if sin were the color blue, we don't occasionally say or do something blue. All that we say, do, and think has a taint of blue. It's like um, if you had 10 T-shirts and light blue on this end and dark blue on that end, those of us that wear a light blue shirt and don't do all that much wrong, we look at the ones that are wearing dark blue shirts and we go, it's too bad. You people are awful. I mean, if you were a little more like me, but the funny thing is God just looks down and he goes, guys, it's all blue. It's all blue. This is what John the Baptist is getting at. Repentance, we have to change the way in which we think. And obviously it's stuck. People began to go, oh, there is a kingdom coming. God is going to do something new. And maybe it starts with me. And then people do what people always do. I, I, I love it, but this is what we do. They immediately hear about this king that is coming to set up a new kind of kingdom where I repent. And they want to make John the Baptist that king. Look, look what they say in verse 15. Now, I'm going to come back to verse 10, but look at verse 15. They go, the people were waiting expectantly. Like, this is starting to resonate in them, with them. And they're like, they're all wondering in their hearts if John might actually be the Messiah. Now, guys, we do this all the time. You don't want to admit it, but you do it with your pastors, where you go, I just like that guy. He's really great. I'm going to start going to church more. Or, I really don't like him very much. I don't think I'm going to go to church anymore, Right? We do it with business leaders and sports heroes. We're always going, who's the GOAT? You know you know, you know, GOAT is? Like the greatest of all time? We do this all the time. We put a slide up here. Let's, let's debate. Who's the greatest of all time? I don't like either of them. Next. <laughs> who's the greatest of all time, right? You go, I don't know. Here's one. Here's one. Have some fun with this one. I'm not even going to say anything. <laughs> Folks, I know where I live. Calm down. Calm down. And we do this all the time, right? We're always like, who's the greatest? And these people are surrounded John the Baptist, and they're like, who's the greatest? He might be him. He's the goat. Maybe that's it. And and I love this because, look, John the Baptist, JTB, has a right to stand on a stage and go, I'm pretty awesome. Because remember, this guy, he had a miraculous birth and a prophesied destiny. He was called personally to fulfill these prophetic promises in Isaiah. He was a powerful preacher. And yet, look what he says. Look what he says. I love it. In verse 16, John answers him. He hears him. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I baptize you with water. It's kind of like, so what? But the one who's more powerful than me, he's coming. And then listen, he goes, the straps of whose sandals, I am not worthy to untie. Well, now, amen is right. Because to a Jewish audience, they'd have been like, (gasps) because, because rabbis were known in Jesus' day, 
that they might require about anything from their followers except touching their shoes. It was seen as humiliating. And so what JTB is saying is, that dude's sandals, I'm not even worthy to be humiliated to touch them. This dude's bringing something you haven't ever seen. He's like, I'm not the goat. He says, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It ain't water. His winnowing fork in his hand, it's to clear this threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He says, listen, I baptize with water. I'm going to call you to a new way of life. But this guy, what he brings, this Holy Spirit, this outpouring, it was promised, it's going to do something unbelievable. And I'm going to skip ahead 24 weeks real quick and just kind of dip into Acts. But here's what happens in Acts chapter 1. It says, but you shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power. Now think about it. You've been oppressed your whole life. Powerful people with money and stuff. Your whole life have kept you down. Whole life put you in a cage. John the Baptist says there's somebody coming who's going to bring power. Repentance doesn't sound so bad, but, but, but it's interesting. Because even when I say that, I go, oh, I don't think we, we fully understand. I was watching this movie, and, and I'm embarrassed because it's nonsense, honestly. My boys made me watch it. It's just a bunch of cars spinning around doing silly things. Um, Fast and the Furious. Silly, silly. But I, there's, one, there's this one scene where these two cars, these two kids are racing, right? And, and something dawned on me about this whole idea of power, they're racing, and as they get to the finish line, one kid had a button. I've now learned his Nas. He pushes it, and right at the last second, that car takes off zooming, and he beats the other dude, right? And I think so often, we think about kingdom power as that kind of button. Oh, God, I'm going to push it, and you're going to bring me that lottery this Tuesday. Hey, I know what some of y'all are doing. Gonna bring me, you're gonna elevate me, make me big, make me fast. And the same questions that you're asking in, in, in JTB's day, they were too. Listen, in verse 10, go back. He tells them about this new kingdom, this new way, this new thing. And they say, Well, what should we do then? Tell us what to do. We like what you're saying. And he says, Okay, well, anyone has two shirts. Share with the one that doesn't have any. And anyone who has food, do the same. They're like, huh. Then tax collectors came to him. They can be baptized? He says, yeah. What you should do? Don't collect more than you're required to. Be fair. Then soldiers asking, what should we do? People are going, tell us what to do. Tell us what to do. Because that idea of power sounds good, right? Sounds good. I was walking through my kitchen, and um, I saw another button. It was a button that my wife asked me to put in. 
Um, I don't know how you grew up, but we, I remember getting a, not getting our first disposal in a grill. You know, for all those years, we didn't have a disposal. So I had to clean off the dishes into the trash, you know, old school. You didn't want to get down the drain. Then we got a disposal, and there was the switch, but it was so far away that literally when you leaned over, you're about to put your hand down into it, right? And, you know, it's like, so then my wife didn't want that for our kids. We, we like them to have all of five digits. Um, so she said, what if we put a little button on the sink that would turn on the disposal. And I was walking by it the other day and I thought, that's it. That, that's, that's it, isn't it? When John the Baptist is laying out the principle of power in the kingdom, what Jesus has come to bring, the button you're pushing isn't Nas. The button you're supposed to push is a personal disposal. The things I want, ground up. The things I hold on to for security like money and food, ground up. It's a button of reduction. That the kingdom that Jesus came that is fundamentally different than the five guys he lists out at the beginning of the chapter is not a kingdom built on stuff. It's a kingdom actually where you stuff that thing in a disposal and you go, you can have all of me. Fill me up. What I've filled up with all this stuff, I get rid of it. It's a disposal. See, when, when Jesus is calling his disciples from the jump, he's making it really clear to all of us who, who claim faith and want to follow him. Ours is not a faith of accumulation of power and money and things. And in fact, the path that he lays out is flipped upside down. Where we're willing to take all the symbols of power and stick them in a disposal and grind them up. So that fullness of the spirit can live inside of us. So the power that you've never seen before, resurrection power, can live in his disciples. You know, I'd love to be able to take us all the way through the rest of chapter three, um, but I'm not going to be able to or else we're here till 11 uh, or 12 or, oh, it's past 12. We've got one. But next week, we're going to dive into chapter four. Trevor's going to teach us. And I'm asking you to do three things this week. Number one, I'm asking you to follow Four City Church on Instagram because every Monday, we're going to put out what we're reading together. And that leads to the second thing. I'm going to ask you to consider reading with us one chapter a week. See, I'm, I don't have a special dispensation where what I say is somehow I get something you don't get. I'm a disciple like you. So I'm asking you, pick up this. I'm asking you, go old school, get a Bible and read it. And then lastly, to talk about it with someone. Maybe you start with your family or your wife or 
a friend, but this is actually part of sharing our faith, learning how to take these morsels and then sit down with somebody at work and go, oh, you know, I was reading this thing about power. It was really interesting. I was reading this thing about Jesus or this parable. This is it for a year. You see, this is all this church is about. Uh, yep. <laughs> we're going to read the Bible together and we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to see what happens. Now, um, on that vein, as we close, um, I wanted to give you a little bit of information and then we're done. Number one is, um, over the next few weeks, um, you, mel- you won't see me very much. And here's why. Don't, don't worry. In February, I'm going to take a few weeks off, a little mini sabbatical, because um, since I came here, it's been a pretty long, hard run. And I'm going to take like a few weeks and get some rest and do some study and do some counseling, you know, all the things you're supposed to do so you don't lose your mind. Um, and then uh, tonight, I'm leaving for Africa. Um, we leave for Rwanda this evening, me and a team of eight. And I'm going to ask you to, to consider doing two things. We're going to pray for the team. They're going to come out in a minute. We've been invited to um, lead at the National Prayer Breakfast next Sunday. So while you're in church, we'll be, well, we will have led already, but we're going to send you videos so you can see it. We're going to lead at the National Prayer Breakfast with the president of Rwanda, the Congress. It's broadcast over the country of Rwanda. Um, we're also going to meet with many of our partners, Food for the Hungry, World Relief, some new partnership relationships, Hope Haven, um, and bridge to Rwanda. We're going to go and extend Jesus on your behalf. And so I'm asking, would you consider as you read and share, um, praying for us? You can, we're going to post stuff on Instagram and stories so you can journey along. But would you pray with us this week? And then um, would the team come on out um, that, that's going? So you won't see us either. Um, And I'm really proud of this team. So not everybody's here. Um, uh, There's a few at our Elgin campus. And I'll ask Angela, who's on one of our elders, to come and pray with us. Trevor's going to come up. Um, This whole team, me included, I said, hey, for us to go, this was a great invitation about a year ago. Um, We have to raise all of our own money. And so we did. And I'm so proud of the team. But um, we still have an opportunity to be a blessing Um, to some of the organizations that will go over. And the request is simple. Would you consider praying? Or if you scan that QR code, you can give towards the trip as we leave tonight at 6.15 p.m. And um, that will help us uh, as well as much of the work that we're going to do and extend on your behalf. Uh, The other thing is, is if if you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Well, you could even, the seventh floor t-shirts that we sell, we have a new colorway that looks like this. And a portion, a big portion of the proceeds from that go toward the Rwanda trip. So then you know, you could wear that and you could be like, oh, Rwanda. Um, So uh, we're just asking that you would um, be thinking about us uh, this week and praying for us this next two weeks as we step out and do what we believe is a church God has asked us to do. Um, we're, We're incredibly excited. So Trev? Hey, can we stand to our feet? So we're going to pray for these individuals and um, Angela, who's on our, our elder board, and also uh, Leonard, who's our, at our Elgin campus. Uh, Bread's going to be going. John Martinet, who's also at our Elgin campus, and Chrissy will be attending as well this trip. And I was saying this at the 9 o'clock. It's really neat because this is our very first 
mission trip that we get to send a group of people out. And uh, it's really neat in the history of Forest City Church, we get to participate in this moment to pray for them, to send them out well. And uh, just like Eric said, my, my charge to us as a church is one, even these next couple of weeks, be thinking and praying. And, you know, Paul would, would send these letters to these churches and he would ask for, to pray for them, those who are missionaries being sent out to all these different spaces and places to spread the gospel. And, and that's our request. That'd be my request and our charge to us as a church to be mindful these next couple of weeks, to be thinking of this team. Maybe you need to jot their names down and put them in your, in your prayer moments to be thinking about them, maybe even fasting something in these next couple of weeks to be asking God to lead them and guide them um, in these relationships and in safety and in bringing them peace and bringing them great hope and joy. And as they connect with different people throughout these next couple of weeks, that they would truly be the hands and feet of Jesus into Rwanda in the spaces that they go. Amen. Now, as, as missionaries were sent out in Acts chapter 13, it was his first opportunity for these missionaries to be sent and, and start all these different churches and people, they would lay hands on these believers before they sent out. They were sent out. It's very enriched in our Christian tradition. So I'm asking you, not all of you coming on the stage to do this because it'd be chaos, but would you be able to just extend a hand and I'm going to pray for these individuals and pray for Leonard and John and Brett as well. Let's pray as a church. God, thank you for this team. Thank you, Jesus, for all the things you're going to do as you're leading them, as you're guiding them. And I pray, God, you begin to give them just great peace and great joy. God, I thank you for the call that, God, you have on their life, that even this moment on January the 8th, 2023, as they begin to kind of put the last different pieces into their luggage, as they begin to uh, get in their car and drive to the airport, God, may you bring such great peace and joy in this moment. God, settle all nerves and the anxiety of, of travel, but God, may they be filled with your goodness as God, you, I believe it, have already gone before them, already made a way where the crooked paths are beginning to be, begin to be, be made straight and the rough paths begin to made, be made smooth. God, thank you that, Lord, your spirit has already gone before them in every single space and place that they occupy. I thank you, Jesus, that you are there in the midst that, God, you have them in the palm of your hand. That, God, you're covering them. That, God, you're protecting them. And Jesus, just as Paul would, would pray to the, those believers in the church of Thessalonica, that, that, God, Lord, be with them. Be with them. That, God, may they be encouraged and filled with courage as they step into something that may feel even unknown to a few of them, that they've never stepped into things like this. God, may they begin to see. God, open their hearts and their eyes in new ways. God, who to go to, who to speak to, who to serve, how to serve, who to receive from, how to serve well, and begin to be the person that Jesus, you're calling them to be. Thank you that as four city churches, our hands are extended. God, we begin to send out those. As Jesus, you called it the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, to lead worship at this National Prayer Breakfast in Rwanda. God, thank you. God, we're humbled and we're honored. And as John said in chapter 3, verse 30, may we become less and less. And Jesus, may you and the individuals that are going become more and more. God, thank you that you're leading them and that you're guiding them. God, we commission as a church, as an elder board, as pastors, we commission this team to go forth, 
to live and love like you, Jesus. And we as a church, with our hands extended, also say we will take upon that burden to pray and fast and think about our dear friends, our leaders. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And the whole entire church said, amen, amen. Thank you so much for praying for this team. We're so proud of them, excited for what's to take place.